0: Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. It is the second of three hours. Some of you don't get my glorious third hour, which is just as good as the first two hours, I would have you know. The phone number, if you'd like to be on the program, 877-973-7425. I must begin with a couple of pieces of audio here, starting with Van Jones on CNN. See, the Democrats overpromise? Overpromise, underdelivered so far. How so? Well, again,
1: th- this idea—well, Trump was here. He's terrible. We're going to replace him, and, and we're going to give you 100% of what you want with 50% of the votes in the Senate. The math never made sense. So you could pass these big bills through the House, but you couldn't even sometimes get a hearing in the Senate. And so you begin over. The, by the time you get to summertime, it's like, hey, I- I'm hearing all this good stuff supposed to be happening, but it's never getting signed by the President. And so, when you overpromise so much in the beginning of the year, and you're underdelivering at the end of the year, and don't forget bill back better, et cetera, you suddenly wind up with a disappointment factor plus inflation.
0: <laughs> a disappointment factor plus inflation. It was never going to work out. And and this is, I, I mean, I'm. This is the thing that really gets me as is, is to how bad the politics of this are. Um, it it just, it, it's, it's bad. The politics of it is, has never been good for the Democrats. I'm trying not to get myself worked up here and talk quickly because we've got to, we need to internalize this. If if nothing else, if nothing else, let's acknowledge and learn from the mistakes of the Democrats so we don't repeat them. (laughs) You got 50 seats in the United States Senate, 50 seats, and you promise your base the moon. To get them that moon base, it requires getting rid of the filibuster in the United States Senate. It was never going to happen. Can we just review for just a moment, please? Let's Let's, let's review. They were going to pass the Equality Act that would essentially make uh, transgender people a protected class in federal law. They were going to pass the For the People Act that would be a federal takeover of elections in the United States and ban gerrymandering and require essentially congressional panels to draw the districts They were going to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which would restore parts of the Voting Rights Act uh, after the Supreme Court threw stuff out. They were going to pass the Build Back Better Plan uh, that was going to stimulate the economy and, and all parts of the economy child care, health care, elder care, care for everyone. They were going to pass the Green New Deal. They were going to do all of these things, all of these things. And we got a review. That 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 was the agenda. Now let's review what happened. In 2020, Donald Trump lost. But the Democrats lost too. We all got focused on, on Joe Biden winning, whether you think it was stolen or not. It, it was amazing they could steal that one and not the rest of them. Uh, the Democrats got brutalized down ballot. They were expecting a Democrat wave. If you'll remember... There were a number of media outlets, and I was giving you these reports on air. They were looking at the internal polling. The Republicans weren't sharing their internal polling. And by the way, a lot of the Republican internal polling was as wrong as the Democrat internal polling. They were bracing for an epic Democratic wave. I will never forget, I got a call from a dear friend of mine who's in Congress. He said, my polling shows I'm going to lose. I don't see it on the ground, but the polling shows I'm going to lose. It would have been bad if he lost, given who he was running against. And he dominated in the election. People thought the Democrats were going to have a massive wave. And the Democrats internalized that wave. And what actually happened? They came within five seats of losing their majority. Nobody saw it coming. I don't care if your Republican friend says they saw it coming. Nobody saw it coming. The Republican internal polling, they were bracing for impact. The NRCC, they were bracing for impact. Everybody was bracing for devastation. And my gosh, the GOP nearly took back the House of Representatives. And then came the Senate, two runoffs in Georgia. Now, I need to explain to you this, for those of you not in Georgia listening, because this kind of sticks in my craw. You had Kelly Leffler and David Perdue against. Uh, Leffler was running against Warnock. Perdue was running against Ossoff. Leffler, of course, famously had Doug Collins decide to run against her. Had Doug Collins not run against her, she probably would have won and the Republicans would have saved the Senate. Uh, but given the margin in that. Um, jungle primary, they call it. Uh, Leffler would have won had Doug Collins not been in the race, but Collins got in. It forced Leffler into a runoff with Warnock. And Warnock won. He ran a bunch of really, frankly, delightfully good ads. He loved puppies. He loved people. He was carried. He was bastard. Now, you and I can say he's a progressive left-wing hack, but people loved his ads. And what you and I didn't realize at the time is that Warnock had 75 ads, 75. And it depended on who you are, what you were seeing, because Warnock internalized something the GOP missed. Leffler, by the way, to compete with him had, I think, two or three of these ads. Not her fault. It was her team. They didn't understand what they were dealing with. Warnock understood more and more people are watching television online, streaming. They're not watching it on on your standard cable package anymore. And so warnock had about 75 variations of his ad if you were a black farmer in south georgia you saw that uh the agriculture department had historically discriminated against black farmers and he was going to make it right if you were a white farmer in south georgia he was going to talk about what he was going to do to help you if you were a black person in atlanta he talked about gentrification and civil rights. If you were a white person in Middle Georgia, he talked about you don't have to worry. I'm not going to steal your guns. I mean, around the state, he it was so precisely targeted for people depending on who they were, and it's all possible. People don't understand how detailed targeting you can do. Uh, I do it for my radio show. It's hyper detailed targeting, and uh, Warnock did it better than anybody. John Ossoff had about 30 variations. David Perdue had three. Leffler had two. And you know what? None of it would have mattered had Republicans gone to vote. David Schaefer, the chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia, told everyone it was going to be stolen, had been stolen. The mass corruption wasn't getting fixed. Donald Trump told everyone it was going to be stolen. It had been stolen. Mass corruption, nothing was going to get fixed. Marjorie Taylor Greene told everybody it was going to be stolen, had been stolen. In fact, the Democrats actually started running ads as if they were Republicans. There were ads all over Georgia billboards saying, don't bother. They're just going to steal it again. Kemp didn't do anything. Trying to blame Brian Kemp. Trying to say the Democrats, and it worked. 427,205 Republicans. So 700,000 people who voted on election day in November, 2020 in Georgia did not go vote in that runoff. And of that 700,000, 427,205 of them were hard Republicans. How do we know this? You can look at the people who voted in November and look at if they voted or not in January, and you can see, are these people high propensity voters? They were overwhelmingly high propensity, which means they always vote. And you can look and see, do they vote in primaries? Yes, they do. Who do they vote for? 427,000 of them, 205 voted regularly in Republican primaries, and they didn't show up. They didn't show up. John Ossoff beat David Perdue by 90,000 votes. 427,205 Republicans didn't show up. The result is the Democrats took the Senate. So they took the Senate. They took the Senate. But they only got it as a tie, just a tie. They lost almost everything in the House they won the presidency by really, if we wanna be precise with it, about 35,000 votes. Now, let me explain that, uh, because they, so Joe Biden got so many more votes, he got millions of more votes than Donald Trump. Yeah, not in the electoral college. We don't elect the president by the popular vote. We elect the president through the electoral college. And when you take the votes in the states that he won to get to the electoral college, he only won by about 35,000 votes. They lost all but five seats in the House. The Republicans gained state legislative uh, chambers, which wasn't expected to happen. They solidified their control of New Hampshire, which wasn't expected to happen. The Republicans secured seats in Arizona and Minnesota. They were expected to lose. It was not a good election for the Democrats. But the Democrats, oh, we beat Trump. We beat Trump. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We took the Senate. Hallelujah. They didn't look at the underlying data. And so they believe they could get all of this stuff passed. Well, you can't. You know, it, 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 here's the thing: the the Democrats have forgotten there are rules to a game. They're playing Calvin ball. You got Calvin ball out there with the, the Democrats now, and um, it's just it, it's they they think they can write the rules as they go along. And because they think the they can they can uh, write the rules as they go along they think that the rules don't apply to them. And so they ignore the Electoral College. They ignore the Senate rules. They ignore all of this stuff, and it's gotten them to a part where they promised the moon to their base, and they couldn't actually deliver it. They couldn't actually do it. They've got 50 seats in the Senate. Molly emailed me and said there are 100 seats in the U.S. Senate rather than the 50 that Eric stated on a show. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the Democrats seats. They've got 50 seats in the Senate. Yes, there are 100 seats in the Senate and it's 50-50. The Democrats have 50 seats in the Senate. They can't get past, well, you need 60 votes in the Senate to cut off debate. And they've only got 50. They can't do it but yet they promised the Voting Rights Act and they promised the, um, the, the For the People Act and the Equality Act and the Build Back Better and the Green New Deal. And so their base is furious with them because they said they could do it and they couldn't do it. They can't do it. They don't have the votes to do it. And the result is now that the Democratic base is dissatisfied. 75% of Republicans who voted in 2020 say they will show up on election day in 2022. Only 50% of Democrats say the same. Have you heard that? Because it's in the polling. It's in the polling. Voter intensity matters. 50% of Democrats are ready to go back and vote two years after they they got Joe Biden. 75% of Republicans are. It's the way it always works in midterms. It's a big deal. You can't, you've got to be realistic in setting your expectations. And this is where the Democrats have the biggest problem. They never set expectations right. They never went out to their voters and said, hey, you got to fight for us in 2022 to get this stuff done because we don't have the numbers. And now what's compounding the problem and the great freakout is beginning. Oh, we're going to get into the great freakout here in just a minute. What's really got them in the great freakout all of a sudden is they realize 2024 is worse for them when it comes to the Senate. It's worse for them. They could get to a filibuster-proof Republican majority now. After thinking that they could they could give their base the moon, they can't. They can't. And now the Republicans could probably take it all back in two years with a filibuster-proof Senate and potentially get the White House because Joe Biden's damaged goods. Now, we can't speculate that far off because, remember, in 2010, Barack Obama was damaged goods and he beat Mitt Romney. So you don't want, want, can't go that far. But it's not looking good for him. And their base is so demoralized right now. You can't promise your base the moon when you're only at a tie in the Senate. That's the moral of the story here. And it's one that Democrats used to know. And my gosh, Chuck Schumer is a terrible Senate majority leader, isn't he? Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is eight, seven, seven, nine, seven, three, seven, four, two, five. If you'd like to be on the program, I think I want to go take a phone call real quick, uh, from Jack. Welcome to the program, Jack. How are you?
2: I'm fine. Uh, I've got, uh, 35, 40 years experience as an engineer in the utilities, three major utilities. And bottom line is the utilities depend on the night time to, uh, repair their power plants and the, the low peak at night, all this push for electric vehicles is going to obviate that, and we're going to come up short in the ability to charge the electric vehicles at home at night. You can't store the energy from the uh, solar panels and the uh, windmills uh, cost-effectively anywhere in the near future, and uh, uh, that scares the utility. So uh, that's what's happening inside the utility industry.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you say that, Jack, because uh, there is a – where is this? I saw it the other day, uh, Doomburg. There's a a plan uh, by a company to build a giant um, power grid in Morocco. Now, follow along with me here. They want to build a giant power grid in Morocco powered by wind and solar and then run a cable – from Morocco under, under the sea, run a cable all the way to Great Britain for continuous power. And one of the things they want to do is build a giant battery to store the excess power so at night... If there's no wind and no solar, they can continue to flow the power to Great Britain to offset uh, the equivalent of two nuclear power plants. Now, the technology doesn't exist to build that length of cable. Uh, The technology doesn't exist to build that major battery pack. But at least it's a realistic recognition of the fact that you can't store right now in any sort of efficiency the battery power needed or the power needed to transmit at night when the the rest of the grid is down it just doesn't exist we don't have the battery capabilities at this point and and the amount of battery that they want to build just doesn't exist um, while upgrading the uh, while upgrading renewable energy reliability from intermittent to baseload is interesting and essential, how Z- it's called X-Links seeks to achieve this milestone is a classic example of an exception that proves a rule, that a project such as this needs a high and consistent solar incident, unusually strong and steady nighttime winds, and a massive battery for storage to deliver baseload power lays bare the weakness of other plans, but... There's not enough available lithium to build the battery they say they need to store the power they say they need to store. The math doesn't work for a lot of these projects, but the left doesn't. I think they're okay with power outages. Remember, so many of them underneath the surface really want to get rid of the roll back the Industrial Revolution. They're okay if we have days where we just don't have power. I, I really do think they either they haven't thought it through or they're okay with that. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. If you're on the phones, please be patient with me. I intended to get to phone calls right now, but uh, we have some developing news here and I needed not just to get to it, but to go to an expert on it. Uh, My buddy, David Nicholas uh, with Nicholas Wealth Management is an expert on the markets. You see him on Fox Business regularly, Uh, happens to be a friend of mine. So he was very gracious to give up a couple of minutes and be with me by phone. David, how are you? Hey, doing well, Eric. Doing well. Happy to be here. So I, I'm looking right now at this moment, uh, and, and for those listening in delay, it's 1.36 p.m. Friday, the 29th of April. The Dow is down 450, which is better than it was 30 minutes ago. NASDAQ down two eighty and S&P 500 down 84. Um, it's just bad. Tech stocks down. Everything seems to be down, other than Facebook, interestingly enough. Uh, what the heck is going on?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been a mess. I mean, just, just this year has been a, a rough year for SARS. I mean, we just got the GDP numbers out, Eric, which was not great. So the U.S. economy we actually shrunk 1.4% in the first quarter. So, you know, I've been pretty vocal about my fears that we could be heading for a recession. Well, a recession, if we have two negative quarters, well, that means we're in a recession. So you, you usually don't know you're in a recession until you're already in one. So... Well, we've got one quarter that's negative growth. So the question really is, are we going to see growth over the summer months? And I've got my concerns. I think the market does as well. So I think you're seeing some selling. You also saw Amazon reported this week. I mean, pretty disappointing numbers out of Amazon. I mean, they, they took larger lot. Rivian is the big electric car name that they own. Rivian got its value cut in half uh, since last year. So they took losses there. They had less people shopping online. So it's it's, uh, it, it, this is going to be rough. There, there's this expression in the market, Eric, that says sell in May and go away because all the Wall Street guys, they're at their homes in the Hamptons and the markets are thinly traded. But I, I think this is going to be one of the worst summers for the markets that we've probably seen in a very long time. So it's definitely concerning if you're investors right now, to say the least. Ugh.
0: Now, I, I know that you guys uh, who, who are wealth planners and wealth managers, you say you invest for the long term. And yet we have to some degree, I, th- I think younger people in particular, get into the market and use it like a casino and try to try to make short term trades that they don't realize the tax implications. And this may probably not be the time to do that. I mean, what, what would you advise people right now uh, who are get a little heartburn seeing all this?
2: yeah that's a great point what depends on what your time horizon is right if you're someone that's 20 years away from retirement i I actually look at this and it's hard to do and it's easy to say it and do it two very different things but this is a great time to be buying some of these names so if you look at like google amazon even facebook these companies have been sold off so much that we've been telling our clients if you've got you know a good 10-year plus horizon before you need this money this is a great opportunity. And and I I could not stress that enough. You need to be buying and some of these names while they're done. But if you're approaching retirement, this is really where we say, look, you got to be careful here because especially if we go into a recession, one of the worst things you could possibly do is is take a loss early in retirement or right before you retire. So we tell our clients, you want to have enough out of the market. Um, Wall Street has really been one of the best marketers to the American public probably ever. And I think they've convinced us but the stock market is supposed to be for retirement income. And it's really just not. I mean, it was never intended for us to sell our Apple stock to cover our utility bill, right? It's just stocks right. aren't great at generating income. So we're telling our clients, if you're approaching retirement or in retirement, you've got to have enough out of the market to at least cover your expenses for a good three to five years. Meaning you know what your monthly expenses are. If it's five grand a month, 10 grand a month, whatever it is, you need that amount out of the markets, so whether it's in cash, whether it's in uh, fixed annuities or bonds, something that's not going to give you the type of fluctuation like you would just in the overall market. So if you're young, buy, buy, buy. If you're approaching retirement, you've got to take some off the table at this stage.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Now let me ask you but before you get off here and thanks again for doing this spur of the moment. Um the the Fed continues to I I think to send signals that it's going to keep uh a increasing interest rates and I I had always been taught for years that that tended to provoke particularly if they raise more than a point in a year a, a recession in the next year. Deutsche Bank has come out and said they actually think now it's going to be a worse recession than they first thought. Uh, Bank of America says it's probably not going to be this year. It's next year. They don't know how bad it's going to be. But it it does certainly seem like the horizon in the next year or so seems to be an economic cycle we haven't been in in quite a lo- long time.
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. Every time, and we talked about the yield curve or the Fed's raising rates, but there's this thing called the yield curve inversion. So when low, short-term rates get higher than longer-term rates. Every single time that that's happened in the last 50 years, we've had a recession. So whether it was late 70s, whether it was early 80s, whether it was early 90s, we had a yield curve recession in 1998. We had a recession in 2000. We had a, we had a yield curve inversion 2006. We had a recession in 08. Well, we, we just saw uh, about a month ago our yield curve invert. So it, I'll just, if we don't have a recession, this would be the first time that that has never happened. Uh, but but the odds are pretty high that we're going to go into a recession. And so it, it's just, there's a lot that we're battling, right? If there's this, and then you just look at the geopolitical risks, right? Russia, Ukraine, that's adding pressures to global markets. I, I think it is almost guaranteed that Europe goes into a recession. I mean, it, it's, uh, praise God that we live here in the United States, because we will be able to fare, much better what may be coming around the corner, but Europe is, its it, it, they're struggling, and then the war makes matters worse. So I think you've got here at home, Feds raising rates, that makes borrowing costs, it just—it makes mortgage rates go higher. Uh, the Feds are intentionally trying to slow down the economy, and this is what I think a lot of people don't realize. What the Fed is doing is they're trying to cause a recession, meaning the, the, the way that they're going to tackle inflation is to curb growth, to the point where we have a slowing in the economy. So naturally we expect that. So I, I, you know, if I had to put odds on Eric, I would say probably a 50% chance we hit a recession in the next 12 months. I would say it's almost a 90% plus chance that we see a recession in the next 24 months. I mean, it's it's not a matter of if, it's just when is it going
0: to happen and how bad is it going to be? Gosh, right around the time Joe Biden is up for re-election. Oh, 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 oh. wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, I, I don't want to keep you more than that. Uh, you, you've been a gem to just jump on with me, spur of the moment. David, I sure appreciate it. Uh, Nicholas Wealth Management is uh, Dave Nicholas' firm, nicholaswealth.com. If you want to reach out to him, uh friend of mine, and man, a wealth of information, I sure appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Eric. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, I just I, I've known David for for a long time, and he's he's now he's on Fox and CNN and CNBC and all these other places. His career's just taken off. Good, good Christian guy uh, and a wealth of information here. Now I will move back to where I wanted to be and take your phone calls eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. The market's just down bad uh, this whole week has not been good. I think that they bumped up a little bit yesterday, but really down. Let's go back to the phones. Mark, you're going to be up next. Sorry to make you wait, Mark, but thank you for waiting. Yeah, hi, Eric. Hey, um, you know, almost every show
2: in some way, indirectly or indirectly, you talk about the, kind of the my term is malfeasance of the of the press. Um, and I guess the one thing I, I don't understand, most people do things to benefit themselves but i don't understand what's in it for them you know if if president obama showed them showed them what would happen you know once they guide the country towards a socialistic country you know that eventually the press will get iced out of things so i'm I'm just yeah. To so, so if, if everybody motivation.
0: operates in their own self-interest, why does it seem like the media is not operating in their self-interest? I guess is is that what you're you're getting to? Um, much better than I did. <laughs> uh, okay. So here, here's the deal. Um, you and I need to understand that they are. At this point, with the exception of Fox, really, and and some of the Wall Wall Street Journal editorial page, the media is actually pretty far to the left. Uh, Your average member of the media in surveys of reporters is actually closer to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez than to where Joe Biden ran as a Democratic presidential candidate. They're much further left. So they actually think these things are in their best interest but there's something else going on here as well that's very important for people to understand uh the the owners of them it's, it's kind of like radio um I, I don't you know I, I tell people I forget my monologues what I say the, the details yes I I remember I talked about this the other day uh the the owners of radio these days largely are private equity companies who try to to squeeze as much money out of entities whether they they live or die. And uh, they're, they're squeezing money out of radio. Uh, and, and if it dies, it dies. They'll, they'll get their money's worth, though. Um, and they, they, it's not necessarily that they love the product. And it's very much the same way in major media operations. They don't necessarily, the owners love the product, but the reporters do. The reporters all see themselves as Woodward and Bernstein uh, going after Nixon Watergate. They want their own Watergate. They believe that they are doing something that is a social good. And so their social good is far better um, for them, they think, than, than regardless of trust in the media. They have internalized that your distrust of the media is because of an organized campaign against the media. They have internalized that you don't trust the media because people like Donald Trump have lied about the media. So they look on the polling that shows people don't trust the media anymore, and they interpret it as a sustained campaign by the right to discredit them. And instead of being able to humble themselves and recognize they've screwed up so much people don't trust them, they really do think it's, it's disinformation. And again, this all goes back to, I didn't intend for this to be a theme today, but the mythologies of people, there are things people tell themselves to sleep well at night. And in doing that, they totally drop the ball. They tell themselves that, um, they, well, they tell themselves mythologies. The media looks at their ratings, the media looks at their trust numbers, and the media tells themselves to sleep well at night. It's not us. It's Donald Trump. And that's why we get so much of a lack of self-awareness by the press these days which is deeply unfortunate. Uh, the phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go back to the phones. Shane, you're gonna be up next. Welcome.
1: Uh, thank you, Eric. I had a quick question. Uh, I've been seeing the last several days about Biden and the White House. And like I said, you can pick your three-letter government agency putting together this disinformation board uh, regarding uh, you know free speech are disinformation. And I was just really wanting to get your opinion on what you think about that and how that would even stand up in court or what would they even be possibly trying to do that could stand up to any court or any judge when it comes to making laws against the first amendment.
0: They can't. Uh, that's kind of the absurdity here. There's there's really nothing they can do. Now, I will tell you, and, and a friend of mine pointed this out earlier, that A lot of the actual, there really is disinformation and misinformation propaganda that came from the Russians in 2016 uh, to try to sow seeds of discontent in the American elections. It wasn't pro-Trump or pro-Hillary, it was both, and it was anti-both. And they were spreading stuff on the left to hate the right and spreading stuff on the right to hate the left because the Russians wanted to sow discord in America and get us distracted uh, from what but was you happening don't abroad. I
1: think when it comes to somebody, say, take two Advil and that'll cure COVID, you don't think they're going to go after that? I mean, how far well, are they going to you know, go? That this is, is, my, this is my problem, Shane. But it is a slippery slope when you talk about – this is my last part about it – it is a slippery slope when you talk about free speech and putting agencies in charge of trying to control information. Even yeah, no. no listen,
0: uh, if you tell someone take two Advil and, and this drop of essential oil is going to cure your cancer, uh, that that happens, and the people who believe it tend to be not so bright. Uh, and the government can't do anything about it, other than the uh, FTC can come after groups selling stuff. The real problem is if the Russian troll factory in in the Kremlin is trying to seed information here in the United States, it would be useful for a Department of Homeland Security to say, hey. The Russians are doing this. I don't trust them to be bright enough, smart enough, or competent enough to do that. Instead, what I think is going to happen is they are going to go after the guy who says take two Advil and it works as birth control. And they can't really stop people from being stupid on the Internet.
1: I mean, are they already now trying to get Elon Musk to uh, appear before Congress? I mean, he's buying a private company and they're trying to pull him up in front of Congress already.
0: Algorithmic justice. Have you heard that phrase? Yes. Um, No. Yeah, that's what uh, Ed Markey, senator from uh, Massachusetts, the other day said, we need to have congressional hearings with Elon Musk because we need algorithmic justice in this country. It is amazing what these people are willing to believe. Now, just so you know, Ed Markey's phrase there means that uh, white people write the algorithms at these companies. And so, therefore, the computers don't display information about black people. That's his actual claim. Um, these people aren't bright. Uh, we, We are led by dunces. And to some degree, I guess we deserve it. If we keep voting for these people, there's no way they can do anything about people's free speech in this country. They just can't. It's unconstitutional. The Supreme Court left and right will stop them from doing this. Remember, Barack Obama believed that the right to um, the free exercise of religion in the Constitution was actually a right to worship for an hour on Sunday. And in a nine to zero decision that even Ruth Bader Ginsburg ruled against him, uh, they said, no, actually, you idiots, It's, it's an actual free exercise of religion. The left doesn't understand the First Amendment and some people on the right don't anymore either. But really, the left just cannot fathom that we have these rights in the First Amendment. Now, one of the companies that's defending those rights and the Second Amendment rights is Patriot Mobile. And if you will use them as your cell phone provider and you get good coverage, look, out of the gate, you get great, great coverage because they use the same towers everybody else gets uses. So you get um, you, you get 5G, you get data, you get voice get all the bells and whistles. You can even port your phone number over to Patriot Mobile, and they do a great job. You go to uh, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. That's patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You'll get free activation with my name. They give a portion of their profits to the conservative movement, and they give you as a customer some great discounts. If you're a veteran a first responder, if you're a teacher, if you're a gun owner and an NRA member, you get good discounts as well and great quality. You can call them if you want to call them, 972 Patriot. They have 100% you based customer service. So you're not talking to Mumbai, you're talking to somewhere in the U.S. And you get a discount by using my name, Eric, free activation, 972 Patriot or patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello, welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, be patient with me on the phones because I've only got about a minute or so. I want to do justice to your phone calls. Uh, y'all can call in 877-973-7425. Uh, NPR Marist, has released its polling. Uh, This is something Democrats probably need to pay attention to and fret about. The latest NPR Marist poll has Republicans leading the generic ballot against Democrats uh, in 47 to 44. But in particular, among independents, Republicans lead 45 to 38 among hispanic voters 52 to 39 52% of hispanic voters want republicans in charge of con- of uh, congress and now this one 60% republicans lead by 60% among parents with children in high school or younger 60 to 39 Parents with kids 18 or younger lead, interestingly enough, the Democrats lead 49-41 among people who don't have kids, among singles. Uh, It's kind of brutal. White women with uh, college educations, Democrats lead 54%. Uh, Among those under 45, Republicans lead 50%. 45 and older, it's 47 Democrats, 44 Republicans. Among Gen Z millennials, it's 45 Democrats, 46 Republicans. Uh, Gen X, the greatest generation, is 41 Democrats, 50% Republicans. Baby boomers, 45 Democrats, 48 Republicans. Among the the super old silent generation, 51% Democrats, 39% Republicans. Men, 52 Republican, 37 Democrats. And women, 51 Democrat, 41 Republicans.